0: Welcome, everyone, to DEI After Five, the show that focuses on topics across diversity, equity, and inclusion with some of the brightest minds in the industry. Here's your hostess, inclusive culture curator and coach, Sasha Thompson. Hey, everyone, and welcome to this episode of DEI After 5. If you have followed me for any time or any length of time, you know that I spent 10 years in the tech industry. And part of that time, I really started working with a lot of teams and organizations that focused on startups, particularly um, underrepresented startups. And what I found was there was so many organizations or so many companies that were starting out that were struggling. um, And they didn't need to. Uh, There were so many resources out there, but then also the process is just so difficult to kind of get through. And so we're going to talk about that a little bit today. And so my guest today is Brooke Daniels, who is the CEO of Daniels and Company. Um, And we're going to talk about, you know, what it means to be in this space, what it means to work with venture capital, all of those things, because I think that there's so much to unpack when it comes to diversity, equity, and inclusion, particularly in this space. So, Brooke, welcome to the show today. Thank you so much for having me, Sasha. Thank you. So, Brooke, before we kind of dive into the the meat of our conversation today, can you tell folks a little bit about your company and how you even got into this space?
1: Absolutely. So my background like yours is also in tech. So I've spent the better part of my career working in high growth tech startup companies, but also at large tech companies have uh, spent five years at Salesforce and then at Salesforce ventures. And uh, because of that experience, similar to what you shared, I really felt a passion to bring this knowledge of what does it take to build a successful company to more entrepreneurs and founders. And that was really the spirit of starting Daniels & Co. Uh, my husband and I have also been entrepreneurs. We had a food truck in our 20s, he's a chef, we've had an e-commerce company, and now we both focus on businesses that wrap our arms around the entrepreneur. Uh, and so I really support that go-to-market, Uh, strategy consulting. I'm also starting to move into the wellness space, which is something that our founders need. Uh, My husband also supports uh, founders with understanding and accessing uh, business credit and funding.
0: I love it. I love it. And there's so much to dive into with all of that because it's really important information. One, especially, you know, there's been research that stated, particularly after this pandemic, um, the number of underrepresented, specifically Black women, going into entrepreneurship has almost doubled. Um, And so with that, we also know that less than 1% of VC funding goes to Black women. And so what are some of the things that people can do if they're interested in actually starting a business, right? You can't just say, oh, I'm going to start a business today. What are some of the foundational things that they really need to think about or do as they're thinking of going in this direction?
1: Yes. So... A lot, of, a lot to unpack there, um, but but I would say actually the first thing I would have originally told you the first part was around business strategy, but I'm actually through my own mindfulness journey, learning how important it is for us to really take care of ourselves. And so yes. I would say for anybody out there that is trying to start a business, and I think especially for minorities, especially for Black women who carry so much, We have to find and make space to even have the room to be successful with our business. And what I mean by that is um, unlearning sometimes the uh, skill of multitasking, which Mm -hmm. we're all like really great at, but like actually taking that time, right, to make space for you to be whole and be creative. So when you are creating that, that business, you are able to really tap into your best ideas, right? You're feeling energized and really powerful to take on this journey that's entrepreneurship. And so I think step one has to be in that wellness space to then set yourselves up to be a great entrepreneur and founder.
0: I love that. Um, and the reason I was just like, mm-hmm, yes, 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 is because one of the things that I started doing when I first went into um, consulting work was journaling, right? Right. Cause like you said, we have lots of ideas and I would have tons of ideas and write out an idea per page so that I just had this place to dump all of these thoughts. Um, And then I would go back and say, okay, what's still bubbling up for me? Like what's still pulling at me to dive a little bit deeper into. Um, And I found that it was a great way to kind of focus where I wanted to put my energy also see if ideas connected where, okay, I can see how this fits into this. And so rather than trying to multitask and and do it all, it was very focused and targeted. Um, And I can really do that deep dive. So I, I truly appreciate what you just said, because that's actually how DEI After Five started, right? It was an idea in a journal that just kept coming to me and I just started to make do iterations of it until the timing was right and, you know, everything else kind of aligned. So thank you for that. But, you, you know, you also spoke about, you know, putting that business plan together. Um, and I want you to talk about that a little bit because there's also some other thoughts around that business plan process that I think may have shifted a little bit. And so I wanna hear your thoughts, but can you tell us a little bit about that whole process too?
1: Absolutely. I think it's another critical component to starting a business. And I've talked to so many founders who are like, can I just pay someone to do my business plan for me? And I actually tell them I advise heavily against that because the building of that plan, I think, is actually when you start to really sharpen your idea. Mm -hmm. And so for me, there are a bunch of people out there that have really great ideas. They see problems that need solving and they have an idea of how they can solve it but a great idea doesn't make a great business, mm. right? There's a lot of things that go into making a business sustainable and we've seen a lot of great ideas fail, right? I think right now we're watching Carvana that has uh, amazing mission. You think we would love it. We don't have to deal with used cars, you know, salesmen that pressure anymore. And yet their business is plummeting right now. Not cause it's not a great idea, but there's so much more that goes into it. And so yeah. um, key components that I always advise people to look for when they start their business is one, take the time to do the research on the competitive landscape. There's Mm -hmm. almost always someone uh, in that space and you can learn a lot from your competitors. Who is their audience? Who are they talking to? What gaps are there in the audience, right? Who are they not talking to? Sometimes that can be your niche. If you've Mm -hmm. heard the slogan, uh, the riches is in the niches. Yep. And really getting narrow on who your customer is. Um, I think a lot of it is in around once you define that customer doing some research and testing early to make sure that you're solving a problem in the way that your customers want it to be solved. Absolutely. So makes sense. Sometimes we think, Hey, I, I'm solving this problem. People are going to buy it. It's amazing. Go talk to them because you may learn that actually they want to solve it a different way. They may help you get to V2, right? Of what you're thinking about uh, in a very quick way by just talking to customers. So that's a critical part. Um, and then obviously the business model, how are you going to mm-hmm. make money? We have to be honest. I know the numbers sometimes can be intimidating and almost an afterthought, but you really need to get in the nitty gritty around the numbers, understanding runway, thinking about your pricing. All of these things can change as you grow your business. But when you start out before you put too much money into it, you really want to do that type of research to have a very thoughtful strategy that you can then go execute against. And we all know it's going to change but you have to start somewhere. And when you start, you want to be the best equipped that you can be to build a successful business.
0: I was just going to say the power of the pivot, right? Like you, you have to constantly be able to pivot and change. And that's not to say your idea wasn't great. Like you said, it's, that might not be what your audience or your customer wants, or they may want it in a different way. And so how do you, I don't say let go of your baby a little bit <laughs> and then, And go with what the audience really wants because that's going to be that sweet spot, right? Um, You know, the other thing that came to mind, there's a book called, um, it's on my bookshelf, Blue Ocean Strategy that um, kind of touches on what you were saying, right? It's understanding that who's, which part of the audience is not being spoken to, right? That's the blue ocean. That's where there's less competition. That's where you really need to there's opportunity there. And I think what we see so much, um, particularly people of color is we feel like, okay, we're not the audience so we wanna create it, but then there's probably someone else that's doing that same thing. And because when we see, oh, well, somebody else is doing it, we're not gonna do it either, right? And so we talk ourselves out of what our idea is. Um, but the beauty of that is they aren't you. And so what is your unique spin on what that product is, what that service is, and how can you provide something that your competition isn't, um, which is highlighting the uniqueness of you? Um, and so as you are working with companies, how do you get them to stay motivated when they feel like, okay, there's, I'm in this red ocean, right? <laughs> there's lots of competition. Everyone's trying to eat. How do you help keep them motivated or focused on their goals?
1: Yeah. So I think a lot of that actually goes to the heart of the entrepreneur and staying focused on their why. Like, yeah, why did you get into this to begin with? And most entrepreneurs I work with know their why. It's usually deeply personal when they decided to take that plunge into entrepreneurship, because it takes a lot to get to the point where you're really ready to launch something. And so constantly being reminded of that. Why are you here in the first place? And are you aligned to your purpose? And I think entrepreneurs Mm -hmm. that, you know, stay true to that North Star are the ones that can make it through a lot of the struggles of of entrepreneurship. Um, You brought up a really great point, too, around the blue ocean versus the the really crowded area. The other thing I talk to a lot of entrepreneurs about as well is leaning into that uniqueness, but also thinking about your moat which is just Mm. business terminology that talks around how are you going to protect yourself from competitors? Uh, And a lot of people think about that as an afterthought. I've been bringing it up as a lot because I find finders that are building and they're like, well, no one else is doing it right now. And I'm like, well, if you do everything that you say you're going to do, and if you're as awesome as I think you are, trust me, other people will come. Yeah, And so really doing that research early to think about how you not only differentiate it when you start, but how are you gonna continue to stay differentiated uh, as you continue to grow?
0: Absolutely. And it goes back to that power of the pivot, right? Where you might need to change a couple of things. I know I have pivoted (laughs) a few times um, with my business, but my ultimate goal has remained the same, right? Like the work remains the same. It's how I approach that work or who I go to um, as my target audience, has morphed right over over time, and I think that that's okay. That's this work, um, and and the ultimate goal. So I appreciate you saying that. You know, why you find understanding your why and stick sticking true to that. You know, so Brooke, I want to do a little bit of a pivot because when we t- when I talked to folks or when I was in tech and talking to folks around building their business, they have this great idea, they have the marketing plan, they have the business plan in place, but they're going to pitch their idea and the, the funds aren't there, right? People aren't just getting, getting it. Um, and like I said earlier, less than 1% of VC funds goes to particularly, specifically Black women. Um, but when you look at underrepresented communities as a whole, very few dollars go to um, underrepresented communities when it comes to venture capital. The flip side of that is you see lots of other folks um, getting millions of dollars and come to find out their idea isn't all that great and people are losing money, right? But they continue to support those efforts. And so can you, t- this is kind of a two-part question. And one, can you talk about what is venture capital you know why is that such an important part of this and the second part of that question is specific to underrepresented communities you know how can they get some of that funding um when they already know those those odds are against them
1: absolutely um so so venture capital Really exist to provide outside uh, outsized returns, and I start there because I do think a lot of people feel like venture capital, the nature of it isn't investments for returns, but it is, right? And so the investors that you're working with when you're asking for funny uh, funding are supported, most of them at traditional funds. Now I've spent my uh, my VC career at Salesforce Ventures, which is a corporate VC. So mm-hmm. we're investing Salesforce's dollars into tech startup companies. But a lot of funds have raised their money from what's called uh, LPs or limited partners who've given their money to uh, these funds. These could be endowments. These could be family offices. These could be high net worth individuals. But they've all given their money to these venture capital funds to invest them in, um, for a very, uh, very large return, usually upwards of 30%. And so whenever VCs are out looking for that next startup company to invest their dollars in, they really look are looking for companies who are solving really, really, really big problems. And that's why a lot of founders spend a lot of time uh, when they're looking at venture capital, focused on uh, the TAM, what's the total addressable market? And am I solving a problem that can actually uh, build a billion dollar business? Mm. And so I say that because I really do think a lot of founders um, who maybe are new to venture capital don't understand that there are specific types of businesses that uh, venture capital supports. Yeah. Not all businesses are fit for venture capital. And so the very first thing I always advise founders to do is do your research on the type of set you're building, what type of returns you're looking at generating, um, and honestly be honest with yourself about how you want to grow the business because a VC backed business is also growing very rapidly, very fast. You're supposed to 3x or more in the first couple of years. Const, constant growth, constant growth, right? The capital really is an infusion to scale the business. Um, and so I say all that to say is number one, do you have a venture cap- <coughs> capital-backed capital business? <coughs> and understanding what metrics um, a VC is looking for for your specific industry and all of that, you can Google search and see what those metrics are. And if you do want to go to after VC money, make sure that you're going to hit those metrics. So set yourself up for success. If that's the route you want to go um, for part two on your question, as it pertains to uh, minorities and minority women, women definitely underfunded in VC and they're still underfunded, not even just from the amount of venture capital that goes to minorities, but also uh, the size of the deals. So not only are we um underfunded by a percentage, even the founders that are getting funded, are getting less money per round compared to their white and male peers. So -hmm. it's a huge problem. I think a lot of it actually starts with the fact that we don't have enough representation on the investor side. Because there's a huge disconnect, I think, in the types of problems sometimes that minorities uh, are solving, because we're solving problems that we see, based on our Mm -hmm. experience, that diversity is what makes uh, the business landscape unique. But when all of the people who are writing the checks on the other side of the table don't look like you, they can't identify and connect with the problems that you're solving. And so they'll happily back a founder who is doing something that's comfortable to them, that's known, right? That's in a space that they're used to identifying with uh, versus something that maybe isn't uh, a shared lived experience that they can relate to. And Mm -hmm. so that's a huge issue that I see in the VC space, which is why organizations like Black VC exist. Um, I sit on the steering committee for Black VC, fantastic organization where they are uh, aiming to 5x the number of Black check writers in VC, uh, I think by 2023. Mm -hmm. And so they're really just going out and empowering people, Black people that want to enter venture capital to get education, resources and networks to be able to do that. And in turn, uh, that will also impact the amount of dollars that flow. Um, And the only other thing I'll say is for founders who are thinking about. Uh, trying to raise understanding some of the obstacles that are stacked against them. Uh, The network is everything. So you really do have to get out there, meet people, get connected with other investors. I would definitely get connected with if if you're a black person, the black investor community, because sometimes even though they may not be able to write a check for you, if it's not a match for exactly what they're doing, they can give you helpful feedback and sometimes they may know the person who is going to write the check because the other half of the battle is to make sure you're pitching to the right VC based on what you're building. And so you have to be able to navigate those groups. Um, And I would also recommend looking at angels for some of those early uh, checks as well. I was just
0: going to mention, could you talk a little bit about angel investors, right? Because I think, um, I don't know if a lot of people really know that that is an option, a viable option uh, for many people. Um, The other thing, so yes, We'll go into that. See, my, my wheels are just turning in <laughs> my head. So yeah, let's talk about um, angel investors a little bit.
1: Yes, yeah, so I, I love angel investing. I've recently started angel investing in the past uh, two years. But angel investing is pretty much individuals that are writing checks to founders to fund their companies without it necessarily coming from a VC fund. And so I'm part of an angel investment group called the Cap Table Coalition. Uh, it's a group of angels that are all Black and Latinx. Uh, and our mission is to help diversify the cap tables. And so we're having a conversation a lot right now around representation in companies and making sure uh, they have uh, minorities and also women in those companies. We are tackling it from the cap tables, which are uh, which hold the investments for that company, and saying that those tables need to be uh, diverse, too, because it's also very limiting from a uh, wealth building perspective when we're not able to take part in investing in uh, top deals. And so that's the spirit of angel investing. You can sometimes work with angels uh, directly who will just write checks. They're usually smaller. You see some angels that might just write checks as small as 5000 10000 and up. Uh, but I also think it can be powerful to get in front of angel investing groups where they will pull their cash to um, to write checks and support founders, sometimes being the very first uh, checks that a lot of founders receive. Absolutely.
0: And I think that this is so important because um, a lot of people underestimate the amount of money it takes to run a business. And so knowing that these are some options and these are just two you know, that we, we've spoken about, there's several other options. We're starting to see more crowdfunding um, taking place as well to to get folks kind of off the ground. Where you're going to friends and family, and you know, doing social media to help get people to invest again, small amounts to help you to launch. Um, I want to do a little bit of a a pivot because one of the things that I think you you spoke of at the top, which is very important to me, is the self-care piece. Um, and, and helping people think about that in the process. And so as founders, as entrepreneurs, what do you tell or what do you share um with them around self-care and wellness and taking care of themselves through this process?
1: Yes, so, so important. Um, And for me, I think I've realized that that really is the number one key to success is my health. If I'm not healthy, there's no way um, anything in my life is healthy or at its best. Uh, And so for me, it's really helping founders tap into that and understand it. You know, my journey, I definitely um, have been a a corporate executive leader, founder who's experienced burnout. And I recall coming up on uh, almost three years ago now when I went to see Oprah, She was on tour right before things shut down in 2020, and she talked about living life in the flow and how when you're living life in the flow, it doesn't have to feel like a struggle. Mm. Everything doesn't have to feel like a push, and I just looked at my life and all the success I had in my career, and on paper, I was successful. I was checking goals off the list, but every step of the way had felt like a struggle just yeah. pushing in the system, pushing in the system, not being authentically me, one to the next, having to do the things that brought me enjoyment um, in my free time, but not finding purpose in my work. And Oprah really convinced me that you could live another lo- another way, right? There was a better way to do things. That kicked off my meditation journey. I started with her a uh, 21 day meditation that she did with Deepak Chopra. Everything in the world shut down. Um, my sister ended up passing away in June of 2020 which further made me reevaluate time and how I was spending my time. Uh, And so from there, I continued down this mindfulness journey and really understanding um, how to become more present, how to become Mm -hmm. more aware and understanding that I could have success and joy at the same time, which was really new for me. I didn't know that I I could have success and feel good at the same time. And so I start by just telling founders more about my journey and relating to kind of where they're at. And just emphasizing there is another way. Oprah said there's another way. Warren Buffett comes out and says it all the time. If you want to make money, the best way to make money is to follow your purpose. And so Mm -hmm. really getting people to to take the leap, I guess, and get past that fear. Because we've been taught that success looks one way. And we have to get over that fear to try it a different way. And so that's kind of where I like to work with founders is in that space of, what if What if the way that you were successful in your business looked different, where you were rested, where you were healthy, where you yes. had time to be present and have healthy relationships? Would that be great if that was actually the way that you could grow this business to something even bigger than you imagined? Uh, and if you can make that mental shift and be open to doing things differently and thinking success could look different, that's where we start to make shifts. Um, you are really want I mean, my language. You know <laughs> what I mean? You got to start there. Though. You have to believe it right? And be open to making that shift. But once you make it, you won't go back because it doesn't take long for you to realize like finding stillness at the beginning of my day, right? Brings me present. You understand and appreciate how right now, Sasha, we're very present in this moment, right? And Mm -hmm. how all opportunity is created in the present, right? And so it all starts to click once you open it up. And if I can get people to just open up and think through things and try uh, approaching life and the way they run their business a little different, usually the rest starts to kind of fall into place.
0: You are absolutely speaking my language. Um, And I think probably around that same time, um, I kind of came to that realization too, right? Where I was leaving corporate and I was like, I can't continue to function the way that I've been functioning throughout my career because I see my health declining. So, in starting my business, what is going to be paramount? What is going to be um, top priority? And it was self-care and wellness. And how do I want to start my day? And how do I want to look at my week? And how am I working with clients and who I'm taking on as clients? Because if I'm having a conversation with you and you stress me the hell out just in the conversation, I know that that process of working with you is going to be stressful. Um, And not the good stress, because there is some good stress that you can and challenge and push you outside of your um, comfort zone. But your body will tell you, like it will manifest in your body if it's not something that's supposed to be aligned with where you are. So I love what you said, living in the flow, because we oftentimes feel like, okay, I have to be the salmon and push upstream and you know fight to try to get to this next point where it's like, mm, I can use that energy elsewhere right? Let me just saw and, and, and see what that looks like and what opportunities come available um, to me with that. And so I want to dive a little deeper into that. And like, how do you specifically fill your cup? You talked about meditation, you talked about, you know, some of the other things, but, you know, starting your day with, um, with quiet and in silence. Um, what are some other things that you do to kind of make sure that you're taking care of you?
1: Yes, those are those are some of the big ones. Um, Mm -hmm. I like I like to start my day beyond the meditation, which I do spend at least 30 minutes meditating uh, during the day. Um, Also in prayer. I'm a spiritual woman, a a Christian. And so for me, having that time in the morning just to read a Bible verse to really set my intention for the day, I write my intentions down before bed Mm -hmm. and I revisit them in the day. Uh, So every night before bed, I write down three intentions for the next day and three things I'm grateful for in that day. And the next morning, as I start, I like to reflect on those things. Um, You mentioned being healthy. A lot of it is about being healthy. And I think one of the first things that I used to sacrifice uh, when I was caught up in grind culture was working out. And it's so important. Uh, and so I like to do yoga, which is also beyond just about fitness. If uh, you're into yeah. the mindfulness space, it's about clearing energy and keeping yeah. energy flowing in our bodies. And so it doesn't even if, if I'm not in the mood for power yoga, it doesn't have to be that. But I always stretch out because keeping that flexibility in our body helps us keep that flexibility in our mind. And so mm-hmm. that's important to me. Uh, trying to get weight training in, which isn't the most fun, but I always <laughs> like to lift weights. I uh, I'm not a, a coach, so this is a shameless plug. There's no nothing in it for me, but I subscribe to like Beachbody online, which is great because when I'm traveling, whatever the case may be, I can grab some weights, get a little a little something in every day, um, and then I try to have a wind down routine, which is something mm-hmm. that has really helped me disconnect between. The stresses of the day and get back present for uh the evening to be with my family so at the end of the day i always save time now to do some type of wind down routine whether that's listening to music could be candles or burning sage i uh, as part of my practice with becoming a meditation coach i've moved to meditation twice a day uh, mm-hmm. and so i listen to the chopra app whatever it may be but i wind down some so i can make a distinction between my work day and then getting back to my family relationships at the end of the day.
0: I love it. I love it. I love it. And I do weight training too, twice a week. And I do it with a women's, all women's weight training group. And there's power in that too, right? And supporting each other. And it's, it's just wonderful. So Brooke, how can people get in contact with you if they want to follow up? Or if they want to learn more about what you um, and your husband do? Absolutely. So
1: my website is thebrookdaniels.com. You can definitely check out more there on my story and some of the services I offer. And there's also a contact me form if you want to send a note and get in touch. Uh, We are launching some new services coming out more around that wellness space and bringing that to founders. All of that should be launching by February 2023. So super excited about that. And we didn't dig in a lot, but uh, my husband, his business is around business credit and business funding. So if you're not VC, uh, building a VC backable business, but you do need to tap into other resources, we help founders understand the power of business credit and how you may be able to tap into more traditional financing. Uh, and that website is uh, AlstaceLegacyGroup.com. That's uh, A-L-S-A-C-E. LegacyGroup.com, and if you just want to follow along for more conversations like this, you can always check me out on LinkedIn or Instagram at the Brooke Daniels. Wonderful, Brooke. Thank
0: you so much for being here. You know, this is a topic that we haven't touched at all on this show, but I think it's a very critical um, conversation to have as part of the diversity, equity, and inclusion conversation because there's so many companies out there that have the opportunity to support. Um, founders, and they're not necessarily thinking of it as part of their diversity, equity, and inclusion strategy. So I want to make sure that, you know, people have this top of mind as a way that they can connect with those um, in the community and those that are tangential to their, the work that they do. So thank you again so much for being here with us. Thank you all for watching and being a part of this conversation. And as always, you can follow us on YouTube. You can follow us um, on social media. Please be sure to subscribe um, to this channel or continue to follow us on your favorite podcast platform. So thank you all for being here. Have a good one. See you next time.